Thanks for tuning into the Replatform podcast sponsored by the Ambulance and Clavio. You're listening to myself, James Guyard, and my I uh, can't even say that today. That's twice, Paul. Can't say the word co-host. Uh, I don't want to acknowledge you. Uh, and my co-host, Paul Rogers. How you doing, man? Yeah, good. How are you doing? Well, apart from the speech problems, I'm absolutely uh, absolutely marvellous today. Thanks very much. Um, so we've got another cracking episode lined up. Um, firstly, a big thank you to regular listeners for tuning back in. And if this is the first time you listen to the podcast, thanks very much for giving us the time. We hope you enjoy it and we don't scar you and prevent you from coming back to listen to another one. If you subscribe, you'll get new episode alerts. We drop one every week and we'd love a like on YouTube, Spotify, Apple if the content's good enough for you. Right. So, Paul, do you want to set up the, the episode? So we're looking, we're basically diving into the world of uh, Shopify and Shopify Plus and looking at where the platform's at now. But do you want to give a bit more of a, a background to the purpose of the episode? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we did um, we did a similar-ish episode. It must have been about 18 months ago now, maybe, with Piers on his own, um, which was really well-received and our second highest ever listened to episode. Um, so we've been talking about doing this for a while and we invited Dan and Piers on as two, the two most knowledgeable people I've met around Shopify. Um, so yeah, so this episode really is just to look at kind of what's changed recently with Shopify, kind of the state of some of the new stuff like 2.0 and headless and markets, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and then there's a few other areas in there as well, but I think, yeah, it'd be a really good one. We haven't done too much kind of deep diving around Shopify. So yeah, I think it'd be a good episode. Cool. So let's let's do welcome. So um, uh, uh, Piers, do you want to um, introduce yourself? I know a lot of people will know you both, but some won't. So who are you? What do you do? And give us a bit of a, a background about the business. Thanks, James. Um, so yeah, hi all. My name is Piers and I'm one of the founders of WeMate Websites. We are a Shopify Plus agency and uh, we're based in London and my co-founder co Alex is in, in New York and we uh, design, develop and optimise Shopify Plus websites for international brands. We've been doing it for almost 13 years now. Amazing. Um, thanks very much. Uh, glad to have you back on. And Dan, welcome to your first experience. As you said earlier, we're popping your replatform podcast, Cherry. You're popping my podcast one. Yeah, I've never been on one. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a nice experience for me. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm Dan. I'm the development director at BAO. Uh, kind of been a dev now for well over 10 years. I say well over, probably just over 10 years. Um, been at BAO for just coming up to five years. Uh BAO, one of, uh, you know, a Shopify Plus partner, uh, kind of specialise and kind of, I guess, main focus is, you know, uh, we aim to be the Shopify Plus agency for the world's most design conscious luxury brands. That's the vertical we tend to tend to work in. So, yeah, that's me and uh, BAO in a nutshell. Lovely. Um, so I'll ask the first question, and this one's for you, Piers. So uh, obviously 2.0 and sections everywhere has been a massive topic of conversation for a number of years, um, and that's now available. So firstly, how have you found working with that? How have your clients found working with that? And I think more interestingly, how have you seen 2.0 impact the demand for headless with Shopify? Okay, um, so how have our clients found it first? Then I'll, I'll focus on that. So I think everyone's excited about it. It's it's one of the changes in Shopify that uh, I guess a lot changed in Shopify all the time, and, and and sections everywhere was such a big talked about thing. You know, it's it's, it's sort of launch was delayed and delayed and delayed, and all, all of our clients were um, yeah champing at the bit to, to get hold of it. Really, um, I think the the actual the product i mean it, it it's good it came came with some along with some other releases um that made it 
a much better content management experience for 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 brands. Um, I think we so we've added it to a number of our client stores um, that sort of already existed. But we the, the most success we've had with it is on sort of new builds where really taking advantage of the new theme architecture and um, I, I guess uh, not having to sort of backfill it in. Um, the 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 last part of your question was how, how's it how's it affected things versus headless? And I think that's a really good question because that is a really uh, hot topic for a lot of our sort of new business stuff at the moment. Like he- headless has, uh, has often been sold incorrectly in Shopify land. And I've seen countless examples of people going headless that shouldn't have. Um, and I think part of that was, part of that was performance, but part of that was feeling like, you know, we can really manage our content better here and, you know, use contentful and whatever. Um, and I think sections everywhere helps a bit sort of kill off that argument. Um, and it's certainly been a, do you want to build your store on, on online store 2.0 or do you want to go headless is, is a big question that people come to us directly with. Um, I'm not sure it's necessarily the right question, but it is a question people come come to us with. And uh, yeah, this, this this the performance of online store 2.0 and what we can do with it. And it's more flexible in terms of content management. And I'm happy to deep dive on all that uh, later on. Does eliminate some of those arguments for headless, certainly. So a related question for you, Piers, and then Dan, I'd be interested in your perspective on this. Is, is I know you've worked on headless projects. And you said that like, sometimes people go down that route and they don't necessarily need it. It obviously does add uh, like some complexity. What's your view on where headless is needed? Like, how does Shopify headless? What what problems does it solve? And what business use cases have you seen that are, that are really good? Um, well, we've got a wonderful article on our blog that answers this question in great detail that my uh, co-founder wrote. Um, but yeah, the, the times. So first, first thing to say, I, I would say, is, is that the reason it's often wrong for people is um, you, you immediately lose the benefits of a platform like well, a lot of the benefits of this platform like Shopify because you you can't just plug in apps from the ecosystem so easily anymore because you've detached the front end from from Shopify. So you're running like a typically a standalone front end that's um, uh, detached from Shopify and therefore, you know, you want to add a reviews app. It's, it's, it's a lot more work now. Um, you want to add personalization. It's a lot more work now. Um, and and you're also maintaining and hosting and, and um, looking after a separate front end. Um, so you're losing some of the, the sort of uh, nice bits that Shopify do for you. So that's that's um, something that people don't necessarily realise. And um, Paul, I know you've seen some of this where where people have gone headless and then come back to Shopify um, because they didn't quite realise the maintenance cost and, and, and um, yeah, I suppose the the added cost there. The the, the other part of the question: um, Why should people do it? I think. For if you are a large business with the funds to do it and the, the sort of probably technical um, uh, technical team on 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 the brand side as well, um, the, the, then then it, then it is a reasonable thing to, to look at. I think um, the the main reasons we see that are uh, strong reasons are 
shared content across multiple different channels. So you've got a centralized content management system and you want to push that to your website or multiple websites. It might be across different brands. It might, uh, it could also be across um, different properties, you know, like an app, for example. Um, so when you start getting to that, then it does, that architecture does make more sense because you're not managing so many different separate Shopify things and a separate app on another platform, for example. Um, so you're sharing, you sort of centralized your content management. So if, and, 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 and likewise, where we've done it also in the past is where the brand is more of a content engine or a content producing brand than it is a shop. And therefore, you, why build everything around Shopify? That'd be another good example. Um, a third one might be big internationalization. So like you've got a big international architecture and I think we're going to get into Shopify's own internationalization sort of thing with Shopify markets, but that um, that only takes you so far and some, you know, it's quite nuanced, but if you've got a big international presence and you're doing lots of things in different stores in different international markets, this headless architecture can, can also make sense. Performance is still one of them as well, but I, I don't think you should go headless just for performance reasons, but also you can get a more performant website if you do. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you said that though, because because sometimes that's the that's the magic pill that's sold as the sole reason, and it feels quite a tenuous one to build an entire business case on that alone. So it's interesting to hear that, um, Dan. I'd love I'd love to hear your perspective. I'd love to hear what what have you guys discovered about um, working on doing headers Shopify? What what you know use cases have you found that are, are relevant, uh, and how actually as a business have you found it internally working? Um, with the headless options yeah i mean i can't do as good of a job as Piers just done like he's kind of touched on main like a lot of the, the points really that kind of cover it so like for me like an additional use case which we found is like kind of almost small capsule sites where you know the intent is a very i guess kind of almost experiential experience um you know something that is just it's achievable on Shopify, but if you've kind of got the full, you know, stack behind you uh, with a headless build, you just you can kind of just do a bit more, um, kind of not be refined. But as soon as you start, I think, um, you know, venturing into a more normal size catalog and you kind of go beyond 10, 15 products, then you need to have a very, very, very good use case. You know, like um, one of the ones Piers mentioned that we've kind of done recently is just a large international architecture. Um, you know, one of the benefits you get when going down the headless route with that is you can still offer a single storefront instead of having to like replicate a theme across, you know, 10 Shopify plus stores, um, depending on kind of how you set up, you can get away with a single code base, which is appealing. Um, I think another use case as well is when, you know, if you're in discovery and you start to realize that you're going to have to bend liquids and, you know, kind of Shopify's online store in many weird and wonderful ways which i think you do have to do for you know kind of larger more enterprising merchants if that starts to become technical debt in the theme then you know the technical debt that comes with headless again becomes more appealing um in terms of like the impact in the business i for me it's a really interesting one in that it can to a degree cause a split like so obviously i'm very development led and you know you can effectively have these devs can work on it and these devs can't, which is something that's not ideal. Um, you know, you do then have to start having, I guess, more specialized teams internally, which isn't necessarily a problem, but it's it's nice, I think, when you kind of, you know, with Shopify 
their storefront just you know anyone being able to contribute to it i think is um you know from a business perspective a much kind of nicer approach to it um i guess just touching on like 2.0 as well like for me it's it's been a kind of almost like a lovely brush of fresh air i think kind of what they've released i know it went through kind of many iterations when they announced it back in unite and was it 2019 2020 kind of the last canada one um it was a very different version of of what it is now and i think they went through three or four different versions but i think um a lot of the pain points that came with it initially have kind of been eradicated i think they've done a really good job at kind of listening to the community things like section limits block limits um template limits you know this was a real pain point that you kind of weren't really aware of like initially there was like a 50 template limit where you know many merchants very like content-led ones as well want to create a lot of templates so we were hitting that kind of left right and center so i think they've done a really good job kind of rolling with it i think the metafield kind of introduction they've done as well um treating that as a first class citizen has been a a really good addition to it as well with uh you know it's nicer to see them have a much more kind of content focus um kind of um with it and i'm really looking forward to the content kind of module they uh, showcased at the last Unite as well. That looks like that's got some really interesting things tied to it. And, you know, Piers mentioned that 2.0 has um, kind of not swayed things back in Shopify's kind of um, direction when it comes to headless. It's made the conversation more interesting. I think when that comes out, that can, you know, eradicate a lot, a lot of use cases um, for headless. So, uh, yeah, I'm really interested in looking forward to that as well. Right, yeah, that makes sense. And uh, yeah, some really interesting points there. Um, so beyond uh, 2.0 and beyond some of the headless pieces, there's been a lot of other changes to the development side of Shopify and kind of new API endpoints and different ways of kind of working with Shopify. Um, how have you found that the development side uh, get, or have you seen it kind of get better for you and your team? And also, what are some of the biggest improvements beyond the ones you've already put back? So, I mean, for me personally, I think it's got a lot better because it's made us, it's it's allowed us to shed a lot of weight. So kind of, I guess, pre 2.0, 1.0 days, I don't know if that's kind of what we call it now. Um, You know, we had a very heavy build system. So uh, it was a case of, you know, getting people kind of, you know, new hires up and running was a relative, it it was a process, a documented process. Whereas now with Shopify's, it feels like, again, slight change of focus to kind of, I think, you know, improving their dev tooling. Now we've managed to shell, like shed away most of that and literally just kind of go all in with what Shopify's offering is, uh, like with their Shopify CLI. That's been like really refreshing. I think um, a big part of the build system previously was, you know, having to, you know, browser support and, you know, kind of CSS pre-processing. Now with the way kind of, everything's kind of evergreen and Internet Explorer kind of finally being sunsetted. You really can just kind of go back to basics almost, like not having to compile JavaScript. You can just write in the browser straight up, you know, kind of writing vanilla CSS. It's um, It's been a really nice change to just kind of, yeah, go back to uh, go back to basics with it. Um, so what was your second question? Sorry. Um, just uh, some of the other things that you've seen improve from a development perspective. It could be, yeah, other APIs or additional kind of tooling bits. Yeah, so I think um, another thing that's been really interesting is I think it's kind of been like a last couple of years thing, but then they did a change very recently as well as like, you know, I think historically they've always been like a Ruby and like Rails kind of offering and 
all of their kind of app side that they would open source was always Ruby based. And it seems nowadays, um, like I said, in the last couple of years, they're kind of trying to do a bit more Node and PHP, which I think is a good, a good move from them. Um, you know, I think Ruby, it's not a niche language, but I think, you know, Node and PHP are much more wider available. And I think there's a lot, there's a bigger pool of developers that do it. So I think it's a really good move from their perspective, opening up like their focus to tools like that. Um, you know, their Node kind of app library recently has gone through a complete change. And I think that's been made way more accessible. It felt like um, previously they were just like, they use Next.js, which is like a very kind of common cool thing and then they almost went backwards by kind of going back to express which has been around for donkeys and that felt like a really good solid change from them to just again open themselves up to like a wider dev audience um yeah i think um yeah it's just nice to see i think another i guess reinvigorated kind of focus on dev because it felt quite like it was a little bit lacking um kind of in the few years before say like the last 12 months makes sense um and then Pierre, there's a question for you so I think one of the biggest kind of like PR talking points over the last kind of 12 months has been the release or like the general release of markets. Um, and there's a lot of debate around kind of where this is at the moment. Um, what's your view on this based on your experiences? How have you found it? How have your clients found it so far? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a, a, a good thing. So, so Mar- I mean, just to step back and sort of say what markets is for, to start with, it it isn't a huge amount of new stuff. It's really collecting and sort of packaging up uh, things that were already in there. You know, multi-language API was already there before they called it markets. There was multi-currency to a degree and there was, um, you know, some other uh, things around tax and all that sort of stuff. But now they've packaged it up and they're starting to truly develop it as a a product, really. Um, So um, I think that's helped because... One, it's changed the perception of Shopify a little bit because historically it's not been seen as that strong for international commerce. It was basically like, yeah, we do international. You just have to create a store for every single uh, country on earth. And uh, I think that, you know, as an agency, that's something we battled with since, I don't know, like as soon as Shopify plus or maybe even before that we were building sort of store syncing apps to like get around that problem um, of managing multiple stores um so now so you so yeah markets um i think is, is a good thing it's um something we've used on several um several site builds um over the last year or so um we've you still there's still a use case to s- split out and have a separate store um on you know for for a particular geographical location or or um or a market if you, if you will um so uh it's it's certainly not the like a, a killer complete feature set yet but it does mean you can easily trade or enter into new markets um much more easily than you used to be able to without having to spin up another store um and yeah i, I think uh from what i know it seems like the feature set is getting improved um, at a fairly quick rate. Um, so yeah, I think I think I think we'll see it um, over the next year um, get even better. And then yeah, that the, you'll start seeing stores consolidate Shopify brands on Shopify consolidating their stores down. And we've already seen that a little bit. I've got uh, um, one question, just an, I guess a, an outside observer who's not as well versed in the Shopify ecosystem as you all are. 
from my understanding that um, basically single storefronts can't um, in markets don't support multi currency. Is that correct? Uh, no, they do. So they do. So now you can support multi currency on a single storefront, yeah. and you can have separate price lists for those currencies. Um, and yeah, I mean. That the, the caveat is that it's not on all payment gateways, and you know it's often you know a, a, an entry into oh you need to use Shopify payments. Um, as with all things Shopify, uh, so that's part of their business model. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, for a while now you've been able to do multi currency. Um, you can't, and Dan, correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, I don't think you can get paid out. You can. It, it yeah, so, you do, so, so if you've got 10 currencies, you still get paid out yeah. in your base currency. Yeah. I assume so Shopify can make some money on the um, FX rate, but that is my cynical view. But um, yeah, I think uh, that is something that our clients definitely raise and, and another reason maybe to split things out. Um, but yeah, yeah, you've been able to do that, that for a while, yeah. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I think it came as... Firstly, you can show currency, then you can trade in the currency. Oh, now you can set price lists. And yeah, so I assume it will naturally get better and better as, as, over time. So, so yeah, it'd be interesting, then, Dan, your perspective on um, I mean, news markets for like for multi-language, uh, multi-currency projects. Uh, is it quite a smooth process now? Are there any kind of gotchas people need to, to, to be wary of as merchants? Yeah, I mean, I think the currency one's an interesting one because that was... I remember when it was announced, it was such an exciting thing to announce, but then it was kind of almost, it was like rounding or like a set amount and it kind of really wasn't that usable. It was like a, you know, this amazing feature that had very niche use cases. And then it it evolved to the point of you can import a CSV of certain things based on like a, a country. And then again, there was no GUI, there was no bit in the admin for it. It was quite frictionful, um, well, quite a lot of friction to it. Whereas now... Um, there is a GUI for it in the admin. It's a much more nicer process. You just kind of go to market, choose your products, change your price on it. You can do, you know, $5 in the US, £20 in Germany, £20 in, or €20 Euros in Germany, €20 Euros in France. You can kind of literally do what you want now. So that's uh, that's been a lovely kind of evolution. It took a little bit to get there, but that's a, a much nicer experience. In terms of like markets, we pretty much have it on all builds um, currently. I think... There's definitely some caveats to it. Um, there's a lot. I say we're finding a few around kind of SEO as well and paid search. There's um, there's some interesting ones around that that don't really have a true answer to yet. Um, like, I think we all want to live in a world where you can get away with one storefront and just kind of you know you don't then have to even on plus you know have three, four, five different things. I think as as Piers alluded to, the content management problems that come with that are just frustrating to say the least for the merchant um content like especially with translations i think with markets at the moment is still a little bit tricky like i think you know if you truly want to offer kind of multi-language offerings then like sections you kind of almost need like if there's a title and you're offering three markets you might need three kind of title fields one for english one for french one for german it's it's, it's not the most elegant um i think as well you know, it still relies on relatively heavy metafield usage for some of the uh, kind of product translation stuff. So the kind of, again, UI for that's getting there, but I think it's probably part of this Shopify kind of um, slow burn where in a, in a year's time, I think it's going to be a much nicer kind of experience than it is now. Um, it's, it's I think there's tax implications as well, which are also um, 
I guess, interesting to say the least. It, it feels like it, um, at face value, it's nice. I think there's just a few things that at the moment they just kind of need to, I guess, ryan out the edge. I think the big one that we found that turn merchants away from it is as Piers kind of alluded to the, the the payout being in the in the base currency um that's a big problem for merchants um it's something that Shopify have got on their roadmap they have released a, a roadmap for markets so um you know hopefully and I'm sure they will they'll kind of get to that over the next kind of three to six months which I'm I'm looking forward to um I think the uh there was one more thing on it. I can't remember the older, I think as well, what they're looking to do is something around themes and like proper kind of localization of content, which I think I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Um, yeah, it's uh markets is the most exciting thing since kind of 2.0, which I guess only kind of took nine, 12 months to follow, but it's, it's, it, again, it's not, it's not a golden bullet to all the answers yet, but I think it's got promised to be. And I think that's the really exciting thing around it. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of power into merchants' hands. Yeah, I think I think that thing around um, having content specific to your locale is, is a really powerful one. I really hope the implementation of that is, is good. Um, and uh, similarly, like product catalog splitting per locale properly, because that's not not... Well, yeah, at the moment, you're basically hiding products in a mm. hacky way if you want to do that. Um, so, yeah, I think that anything around that is is going to be better than what we've got now, but I'm really hoping for something big there. Yeah, I think one just last thing I was going to add to that as well is I think um, Piers alluded to it, like one of the best things about Shopify Storefront is the app ecosystem. I think because markets are still relatively fresh, I think apps... Uh, still catching up with it as well. So I think uh, as we, as is the way with all kind of Shopify new releases, there is kind of a bit of a slow trickle with like the app ecosystem kind of catching up, you know, things like big, you know, kind of apps like uh, Clevu and, um, you know, uh, Clavio and whatnot. I think they just take a little bit of time because they're, you know, they're large. They can't just, you know, pivot on the on a dime of Shopify. So I think, you know, things like that, when they catch up as well, it's going to see a lot more adoption. Um yeah. yeah, that is that is definitely one of the gotchas. Um, I'd say, you know, you're getting your search and filtering app to play nicely with Shopify's translations. Um, although, although that said, if you're using a uh, sort of different translations tool like a a, a Weglot or something like that, it's it's still non-trivial to get that stuff working. And anytime you're trying to do multi-language on a single store, it, it, there's an element of pain when you've got sort of multiple systems in play. What is Ampliance? In a word, it's freedom. The freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision. Create, preview, schedule, and manage all your content in one easy place. Find out more at Ampliance.com. Ampliance. Experience freedom. Yeah, I think between the two of you, you've answered the next question pretty much. The only one thing I'd add to that, the only other frustration we've seen, uh, the only like, I think there's three reasons we've seen people not use it. So one recently has been some of those little tax bugs. Main one is payouts, and then multi-warehouse is the only other one. So you still need to split stores by warehouse, I think, uh, so you can't assign a location yet to a market. If I'm correct, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can have multiple locations, but yeah, I think that's the thing you're talking about is is, uh, probably correct still. Yeah. Um, So then I think, James, do you want to ask your next question? Yeah. I wanted to to chat about B2B because I I find it interesting. I know that that Shopify's got wholesale 
Um, but from from having looked at it, it doesn't feel like it's got a a, a robust B two B feature set versus the way Big Commerce. I mean, it's one of the areas Big Commerce has pushed on. It's got other limitations compared with Shopify. It always is nothing's perfect. But I, you know, I know that there is a B two B feature set and there is a beta. But I don't know enough about it. I'd love to know like what what are your thoughts about it? Are you, it is Shopify going to get more serious with B two B? Have you got any insights you can share with with our listeners on on whether the feature set for B two B natively is going to expand? Uh, yeah, well, I, d- I don't know if I've got any insights really, but I mean, I think it's, it's, it's got to happen. And they, you know, they bought a B two B company, and um, I forget the name of it now. Um, but what was that Paul? Handshake. Oh yeah, handshake, and then that turned into a strange B two B sort of marketplace thing, which I don't think anyone was asking for. Um, but uh, yeah, my understanding is there's this new B two B product on the way, and um, yeah, I, I, I haven't personally seen it, but I think someone, someone on our team have. I think we're one of our clients is looking at the beta of it. But I, as with all things Shopify, I would expect the first cut of it will be quite light. I'm, I'm expecting it to be better than Shopify's wholesale channel. If any of you, you know, familiar with that, but that was super basic, no control for the you know, merchant around aesthetic or catalog management really um and i I think this this will be a theme-based approach but i I, I haven't you know personally seen it i think it's always a problem for us and we certainly have seen that you know people choose other platforms as as a result of that um there are a couple of decent um b2b plugins um that we've used in the past with with clients but they're all uh sort of hamstrung by the way Shopify works in the sense that they typically all push in a draft order into Shopify and and then you can't that can't work with multi-currency for example in Shopify markets yeah you know, it's that problem you just described down like a you know apps keeping up with Shopify but this this time is actually a Shopify limitation that means the app can't keep up with with it um so so yeah that I don't know, it's, it's been a problem. It's been something I've wanted for a long, long time because, yeah, it's, it's, it's always sort of, um, you know, thrown up there as an example where yeah. Shopify is weak. Yeah, I think, you know, this, this is why we have these conversations because no platform is perfect and it's very good at a lot of things and it can't suit every use case, but it seems an interesting gap. Dan, what, what's your perspective? I know you said you work with a lot of like boutique high-end brands. Uh, do you work in the B2B space or is it, is it mainly uh, B2C? It's mainly B2C, but <clears throat> we have got some historic kind of B2E solutions out there. I mean, like, I, unfortunately, I can't offer any insight into, into this product. Um, I, yeah, I have uh, I've had no access to that. But again, B, like B2B and wholesale is something that I think comes up enough. And it's just there is no, it's one of the few things on Shopify where there's just no real one accepted way to do it. Um, you know, for us, we've... And it's become now a bit more muddy with markets uh, being an, an example of an app not kind of keeping up to date, but like Shopify script editor. So if they're on plus, like we've offered kind of the typical ways we find is you'll either have a secondary store that's wholesale specific, you know, it's locked behind customer accounts and then they use that. Problem you've now got is you've effectively kind of got two themes to maintain because you're almost certainly going to have some form of differentiation between the stores and that that becomes a problem. Um, we've also done it where it's kind of just built into the same theme and then we use script editor to effectively kind of discount on bulk or do something along the lines of that. But then with the addition of markets, that it's, the script editor does not work elegantly with with 
multi-currency at all. So you're kind of, again, limited there. Um, and then I think, you know, some people have unfortunately decided to go away from the platform just because there is no offering. The the B2B channel is, um, I don't know if it's used, I guess I'll put it that way. <laughs> I think it's being kind. Um, it's, uh, it's, to say it's limited is, um, is yeah. It's uh, it's quite limited. So yeah, we we always try and come up with some solution that's um, theme based. Is kind of like our typical approach to a lot of these things. But um, yeah, it's done it. it. It's definitely done it. But I think, like um, as mentioned, with recent acquisitions, I'm hoping to see a much better kind of offering over the next twelve to eighteen months from um, from Shopify. I think it's a big kind of market that they're potentially missing out on, and there's there's a lot there for it. The uh, the big core missing piece is the price lists in the mm. core because the discounting piece is always a nightmare for anyone I've seen trying to do it when you're like connecting an ERP and yeah all of that stuff I think that's the main missing piece but we've had one client that's um, been invited into the beta um, which I think that starts like pretty soon within the next month or two I've seen nothing from it either but I thought that was quite exciting and I think they've got a call soon to like go through like the initial offering um, which is cool Um, so I will ask the next question and this one I'll ask Piers first, just purely because you've just been talking, Dan. Um, I guess Shopify Flow, so feature that get, gets referenced a lot, it's quite unique to Shopify. Not too many other platforms have like an equivalent. Um, there's a lot of talk around how it might continue to develop and like what else it might integrate with, et cetera, et cetera. Um, how do you see Shopify Flow developing alongside Shopify? Like, Do you see it potentially going down the alloy route and kind of building out ERP integrations and all of that kind? of stuff um yeah what kind of direction do you see for flow a uh, good interesting question yeah I, I i i mean i could certainly see it uh spinning off i'm not sure if shopify would 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 do that really uh, i think it's a really powerful tool for merchants that want to play around with it and um i think yeah some of our clients don't use it at all and some of our clients absolutely love it. And I think if you if you're also working with a good a, a tech stack where they've the 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 other third party um, apps have built integrations with Flow, you can you can do some really powerful stuff with it. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, it has helped us solve problems at a low cost for a client in the past um, really well. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to see it develop even more. And uh, Dan, same question. Like, what's your view on kind of where they might take it? Yeah, so I mean, Flow has been one of these kind of interesting ones where it's always been there. But if it was again, like in the last kind of six to 12 months, they've taken a really kind of reinvigorated view on it. I think the kind of change to make it a non plus feature is uh, a really interesting one. I think it's only a can't, it's not a bad thing, it's only a good thing. Um, to, to echo peers as well, it's. Um, I think with a lot of their recent updates has enabled us to kind of offer solutions that historically would have needed like some form of app or some kind of, you know, actual, I guess, backend slash server piece to it. Um, Shopify Flows kind of got us most of the way there. And then we've had to do a little bit on the side. Um, I think it's like, it's a really interesting thing with Shopify in that they don't offer, it's one of these things where they've kind of let, the, like giving you the power to do everything they've kind of given you a bit of a sandbox and then you kind of you're free to do what you want um i think uh, a, a big push towards apps um you know kind of an extension just flow i think that's a really good thing i think um you know a lot of their recent acquisitions as well it feels like 
there's a relatively easy plug and play now. If you don't have an app, you can kind of get it going with Flow, which I think is also interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as how it might develop, I think, again, with the kind of, I guess, push down the extension, Drew, I think you're going to find that apps, you know, kind of offering a lot more Flow integration, um, especially now as a non-plus feature. I think one thing that app developers probably struggle with quite a lot is, you know, Shopify Plus is a lucrative market to target, but it's a much smaller market with, um, you know, flow being broadened out. And it wouldn't surprise me if it does trickle down the plans on Shopify as well. I'd like to see that. Um, then I think, you know, app developers are going to take a much more focused um, view on it, which is only a good thing for everyone. Um, I think one of the other things they seem to be doing as well is they seem to kind of be getting feature parity with their GraphQL API. Before, it seemed to be a bit of a subset of like, some of the fields, but not all of the fields. And so I'll, I'll go to do something because I know the API has it, but for some reason Shopify Flow didn't. And that was especially kind of, I guess, a little bit frustrating around orders and customers because I think that's where Flow is mainly used. So it seems like they're trying to really match up against their GraphQL API, which again, I think is only a good thing. I think, um, again, just spreading, I guess, the awareness and just, yeah, kind of how how both work, I think is a, is a good thing. Um, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what they've got on the horizon with it. It's uh, like I said, it's another thing they're focusing on, and it's yeah, one of the more exciting bits of Shopify as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, I would love to see it be used for more like yeah, some of the integration stuff in the future, and uh, yeah, kind of like the alloys and mechanics and some of those other ones can do. Um, mm. I build it out. Um, so another question. So I've changed this question slightly. And uh, Piers, I'll go to you first again. Um, where do you see, so you obviously talk to a lot of merchants that are presumably reviewing multiple platforms. Um, where do you see Shopify winning? What do you see as like the real key kind of advantages that other platforms can't really compete with? Okay. Um, so where do I see it winning? Um, I think it is uh, still much lower cost of ownership and quicker to develop on than you know the, the the big platforms that we come up against. So for context, we're coming up against things like Salesforce, Commerce Cloud, and um, uh, Hybris, and, and potentially um, things like Commerce Tools. Um, you know, people might be choosing between a headless approach and, 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 and Shopify, and, and also Magento. Um, and yeah, generally speaking, I'm still of the view that Shopify is you get more 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 for your money. Um, I think its app ecosystem is incredibly strong, and its partner ecosystem, and that is a huge huge strength. Um, you, the, the fact that most things have got some sort of plug and play integration with Shopify is is great. Not that we always use it because the clients we're working with might have you know more complex requirements but it's nice that it's there i think um the fact that you've got so many good agencies to choose from as well um is is a real benefit it lifts us all all up and um and it means that you know and the other thing about the way you develop with shopify is you're not ever tied into uh an agency um you know because you're it's very easy to pick up you know it's kind of um you know i've, I've inherited things from uh other in other platforms where you know the code base was so bespoke to what that other agency could support. You just don't see that in Shopify. You rarely, rarely see it unless someone's totally butchered it somehow. Um, so, yeah, the par partner and uh, app ecosystem, incredible strength. And I also think the brand is a strength, right? Like, it's, it's 
you know, if, if you're a direct-to-consumer brand, you know, and uh, certainly that one that's uh, you know, digitally native formed in the last 10 years, you're probably not going to look at any other platform. It's really only the larger, more you know, established businesses that would be considering something else. So that in itself is a, is a, is a real strength. Um, I can do weaknesses as well, but I, I suspect that's... Uh, I think we've covered a few of those key ones. Uh, <laughs> I was keen to talk about, but I, I think that's a really good point you make because I... I've worked on fewer Shopify projects than I have, like BigCommerce and Magento. I mean, I'm agnostic. I don't care as long as the, the platform choice is right for the business. But I've definitely seen that amongst brand-driven organisations where the, the the instinct is, it, why not Shopify rather than should we? And I think that's very different to other organisations that might be more um, traditional businesses or more, uh, I'm not going to say complex, that's the wrong word, um, uh, yeah, but but less brand-driven. Um, and that's, then then the mindset seems to be slightly different. So it's an interesting point that you've, you've made out there. Um, I'd love to hear from, uh, so Dan, what about, what's your view? So what, you know, you're obviously, you're both really busy at the moment, you're winning new projects, you've got existing clients. What what what's makes the, the new business you win commit to Shopify rather than other platforms? I mean, I think Shopify has gained a lot of validation over the last 12 to 18 months. You know, there's been kind of multiple IPOs on Shopify now. You know, it's, 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 I think it's kind of shed its skin in terms of its previous reputation. And, you know, it's really kind of coming out swinging as a, as an actual solution to any econ business, not just, you know, the kind of more SME ones, which I think has been needed for them to kind of reach that next level. I think, um, Again, it's. I think you, you phrased it well when you kind of say, "Why not Shopify?" I think that's the kind of how they've managed to position themselves now. You know, I can completely echo, um, you know, Piers's things of you get so much bespoke and so much tech debt, and you know, Shopify is so simple. It's it's simple to the point where merchants can't understand how simple it is. Um, you know, you kind of almost get to like launch process and it's like, oh, just hook your domain up and you, you're done, you know? And like, I think that really embodies like Shopify as a whole, um, you know? And I think that's, that kind of like trickles all the way down, you know, like effectively, you know, theming it is a relatively straightforward, you know, kind of getting most of the features up and running is, you know, sometimes as simple as installing an app. Again, I think depending on the size of the merchant, it's not always that simple, but, it, 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 it just offers a level of simplicity that just literally doesn't ex- exist in a typically complex like ecosystem. You know, most of the time you're getting a server up and running, making sure email blasts don't take the server down and like hosting costs and having sys- like DevOps and SysOps and it's none of it exists. I think it's such a strong offering. Um, in terms of how I think it's going to continue to evolve, I think um, I think they've made a really heavy I think I've kind of alluded to it before. I think they, they seem to be focusing a lot on their kind of developer experience and Shopify do Shopify really well and uh, they support their kind of partner ecosystem because they know that like supports them and holds them up. You know, I think Shopify provides a lot of the foundation and then they rely on the, you know, the partner ecosystem to to fill in the gaps effectively, you know, because things like uh, Scripps 2.0. Um, so at the moment, the way kind of, Shopify's more bespoke kind of scripting things work. They are just plus specific. And uh, yeah, they're kind of, but with scripts 2.0, it seems like they're going to be app driven. So I think again, Shopify have kind of, they've revealed what they're going to do. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the thing that's released, but from what I'm seeing so far, it's going to be kind of app driven. So again, this puts, um, you know, the power of truly kind of check out 
kind of customization in app developers' hands, which again is just going to be, you know, I think for the merchant, just a wonderful offering. You know, you don't now need an agency to do relatively bespoke kind of discounting and offering and all this that, you know, you currently need an agency to do um, for you. I think that's going to be incredibly powerful. Um, you know, the content feature that I mentioned earlier that they kind of showcased at Unite, you know, that seems them trying to do a bit of a land grab for like the headless and the kind of contentful space. That can be an incredibly powerful thing. Hydrogen, I mean, you can kind of like that's going to be yeah that to me is um i feel like i've said it a few times but one of the most exciting things potentially it sounds like they're gonna you know really truly embrace it you know not kind of like here's the thing you can use if you want to it does seem like it's going to be very integrated into the into the platform so you know taking it feels hard to call it a headless thing because it is going to be very tightly kind of integrated into shopify um you know the the this they're spending a lot of time with that and putting a lot of attention towards that in the storefront API. So, so just quickly on that, because some people might not understand what that means. Like hydrogen, can you just for people who are, are new to the shop, what what is hydrogen? Yeah. And so, what, what's the relevance to like retailers? I guess, or is it purely for developers that it's relevant? No. So, I mean, I think it's 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 definitely going to at the moment it seems to require some form of developer input. I don't think a merchant is necessarily going to be able to get up and running. Like they could installing a theme from the theme store and now they've kind of got a storefront. So on Shopify at the moment, um, when you get a Shopify account up and running, you effectively have an admin panel and you have a storefront. You can kind of go to an agency, kind of get a theme from the theme store and then you're kind of good to go. Um, and hydrogen is effectively... I guess their version of headless. I think I don't know if it's fair to call it headless, but I think you know for for for, for ease, it's kind of their take on headless. So they've effectively kind of built their own framework from the ground up that would allow developers and kind of merchants to have a much more customized approach to the theme, like to the to the storefront. So Shopify, like your products are going to be under a certain URL, your collections are going to be under a certain URL. Everything's going to be like the same as every other single like Shopify store on the platform, which is really good. There's not nothing wrong with that. But hydrogen is just going to allow you to truly from the kind of almost ground up, assuming you want to go with it, like completely customize your storefront. You you effectively have full control of your rendering. You're kind of, you know, from someone pressing enter on your URL to presenting the page, you now have full control of that as opposed to like the last little bit where you kind of control how it looks. And yeah, that's what uh, Hydrogen is. They're also pairing it with like their own hosting as well. So I think one of the pain points you run into with Headless is you're now effectively kind of in charge of the hosting and, you know, kind of actually serving it. Whereas Shopify's liquid and storefront is all handled by Shopify. So Shopify offering, again, a completely seamless, like we'll handle it. Don't worry about it. You just kind of do the theme, do the, do the build. We'll handle the rest is again, I think an incredibly powerful thing from, from their perspective that currently is a, is a pain point. Um, if you are going headless kind of, you know, you've done all that. Now, where do we put it is is also another problem, you know, keeping it going, keeping it running, making sure it doesn't fall down. Having Shopify handle all of that is a thing that I think often gets overlooked as a, as a lovely peace of mind for, for merchants and agencies alike. 
yeah, I think the peace of mind bit uh, and not having to to to, to like, increase your own internal complexity to have it like that is definitely a big bonus. Um, really, really interesting. I mean, that's, it's been really interesting for me because there's new stuff I've learned as well because I don't spend as much time in Shopify world as you gents. So, um, what be useful is if anyone listening um, wants to bend your ears or you know challenge anything or get to uh, question any more detail stuff we talked about. Um, how do they reach out to the respective uh, businesses? Like Piers, you want to go first? people want to speak to to you or we make websites yeah um hello at we make websites.com just email us um also yeah we're active on twitter and uh linkedin and etc um but yeah uh check out our website lots of good in-depth blog articles on all this sort of stuff particularly markets headless all that sort of stuff that we try and keep up to date as things are as as things are moving because it's always a bit of a moving target all this stuff fantastic thanks and dan how about you yeah, so uh, bao.agency um, or buyassociationonly.com, uh, the, the website, all of our kind of, you know, contact information is on there. We also just have, um, yeah, uh, Twitter as well. Um, and then if you ever need anything from me personally, mine is just kind of underscore Dan Gamble, I think. I don't use it too much, but I can always direct you to the right place if uh, if none of that helps. Cool. Uh, thanks both of you for joining us. How, how was popping your podcast, uh, Cherry, for you? Delightful. <laughs> Delightful. Yeah, it's been a very pleasant experience. Excellent. We'll see how many more cherries we can collect this year. Maybe that's that's our like deeply um, uh, yeah, uh, dodgy uh, aim for the year, Paul. Um, uh, and thanks, everyone, for listening. As always, really do appreciate it. We hope you've enjoyed it. There's lot, lots of advice and insights around the Shopify world. Um, keep an ear open for next episode. We'll drop it um, every week, normally on a Tuesday. And we'd love you to subscribe if you don't already. Thanks very much. <laughs>